Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.34 Pacific Daylight Time, not standard like I said yesterday. Also, it is the 6th day of July 2023, and this is episode 750 of Bitcoin, and oh my god, I said yesterday that yesterday's episode was 750. It was not. It wasn't. I screwed that up. It was 749 today. Yes, today is episode 750 of Bitcoin, and wow, man, talk about just screwing up left and right coming back home from vacation. I mean, you get out of practice, you just, I don't know, man, it's weird. It's like, it's almost makes me not want to take vacations, but dude, what a sad existence would that be? Anyway, we've got stuff to do. We've got it all, man. We've got it all. First thing up, though, I want to uh, remind everybody that the Circle P is open for business you can get your comfrey roots. What the hell is comfrey? Well, you can go and listen to all about comfrey. In fact, I put that up that episode up as a uh, with like a, a rerun while I was gone on vacation. But if you want to go to the original show, all right, if you want to go to the original show about comfrey, it was episode seven hundred and twenty-six. That's episode seven hundred and twenty-six all about comfrey, and I explain what it is, where it came from. It's a plant. You plant it, right? It does all kinds of stuff. I'd go over it, but I already went over it in episode 726. So if you want to go find out why you need comfrey, you need to go listen to episode 726. If you know that you need comfrey or that you want to start propagating comfrey around your property for various uses, of which there are many, then you can go to my friend Shishi21M, that's at Shishi, S-H-I-S-H-I, 21M over on Noster. Uh, You can actually just type in at S-H-I-S-H-I, and you'll probably get a hold of his his handle on Noster. He's also Shishi over on Twitter, if you are still using the Dead Bird app, and oh my God, what a dumpster fire that is. But tell him that you heard about uh, him selling comfrey root because that's how you're going to propagate. That's how that's how he's going to give it to you because that's the best way to really get this thing done. So you'll get roots in the mail. So don't be surprised if you don't get like these, you know, really pretty plants or something like that. You got to, you got to shove some root cuttings in the ground for this one, <clears throat> but tell him that you heard about it on the Bitcoin and show and she, she will cut me some Satoshis for helping him sell his goods and services in the Circle P marketplace. The Circle P, that's the Circle Pleb. That's the market that I'm trying to get people to, like if you've got goods and services and you want me to tell other people about it on this show, hit me up, man. Hit me up on Noster and say, hey, I got a good and service. Uh, You know, I don't suppose we can, you know, maybe work a deal where you can kind of advertise and I give you a cut of whatever it is that you actually sell for me. That's the way the Circle P works. I, you know, there, there are some companies that I would love to have as sponsors of this show, but I'd also want to use the platform to, I don't know, give you guys a leg up on being able to sell what it is that you love to do. And I know that you don't have an advertising budget. Everybody's bootstrapping around this place, including yours truly. So if anybody knows how hard it is to get your message out there, by God almighty, you're listening to them right now. If you got a good in service, you want to get it into the Circle P marketplace, 
hit me up on Noster, man. That's about the only place that I give any anything close to two shits about, right? Um, yeah, hit me up and we'll work out a deal. But she she get your comfrey roots from she she and uh, tell them that you heard it here on the Bitcoin and podcast. We got a retreat. We got a retreat in price. Yes, we do, ladies and gentlemen. We got a retreat in price. What are we doing here? Well, Bitcoin has retreated to $30,600 as blowout ADP report strengthens Fed rate hike bets. Yes, the ever-present demon that is the Federal Reserve is in the background again, rubbing their hands and going, just wait until we rate hike the rates again. Anyway, Omkar Godbull is bringing it to you from Coindesk. Uh, Bitcoin fell to 30600 soon before press time with part of the pullback from the 13-month high of 31500 happening after a blowout United States ADP private employment report hit the wires at 1215 UTC, according to Coindesk. The ADP report surprised markets in a big, big way to the upside, showing almost 500,000 private sector jobs added in June, more than double the consensus forecast that was 220,000. The data overshadowed a report by the Labor Department that showed modest labor market weakness with first-time filings for jobless claims rising 248,000 last week ahead of the forecast for 245,000. Treasury yields extended an early rise after the ADP report with the two-year yield jumping about 15 basis points to 5.118%, the highest since 2006, according to charting platform TradingView. The 10-year yield added 11 basis points, bringing it to 4.05%, its highest level since March. The two-year note is more sensitive to short-term interest rate expectations. Its rise to fresh multi-year highs suggests traders see the Fed extending its rate hike campaign. Indeed, Fed funds future traders now see a 94% chance of a 25% or 25 basis point rate hike this month, and markets are now factoring in a 75% chance of three, count them one, two, three additional rate hikes by year's end before a pause last month. The Fed kicked off its so-called tightening cycle in March of 2022 and has since raised rates by 500 basis points to the 5% to 5.25% range. The tighter monetary policy has been among the factors for the swoon in crypto markets over the past 18 months. Stock traders reacted negatively. No shit, really? Stock traders reacted negatively to this morning's ADP news as well. With futures tied to the S&P 500 trading 0.9% at press time and NASDAQ futures lower by 1.1%, gold traded down half a point lower for the day to hit $1,905 per ounce and the dollar index erased early losses and traded unchanged on the day at 103.24. Okay. So the specter of the Fed is back in our face again. Apparently the economy's just doing too well, ladies and gentlemen. The the economy's just too hot. So we're going to have to put the brakes on it. Has anybody thought for, you know, I don't know, half a fucking second that this number that they've come up with is probably bullshit? It's probably bullshit. It's probably either a straight-up lie or a complete mischaracterization of what's going on. In either event, hold on to your britches. Lock down your saddlebags, baby girls and boys, because we're going to go on a ride again, I guess. Uh, I had talked about the fact that Jerome Powell found himself last month Uh, in a unique position of having the ability to remain looking strong while also pausing the Fed rate hikes. However, nobody really ever talks, including me, about what happens next because they do this shit every month. Every month they're readjusting this stuff. What do we not do in Bitcoin? We don't readjust any of the consensus parameters of the protocol 
hard. I mean, when we do, it's a it's a hard fought battle to do that shit. Taproot, you know, Segwit, all that kind of stuff. Those consensus changes are hard fought, and it takes a lot of battle, a lot of sweat and blood to get anything like that to change. But here, you know, back in the, I don't know, the circus that we call the United States and the legacy financial system, consensus changes every month. Policy changes all the time. Nobody really knows what's going on. And this is why we Bitcoin. Speaking of, I got this one from Stacker.News. It is a statement that Wallet of Satoshi has surpassed. Check this shit out. 10 million cumulative lightning payments. So hats off to Wallet of Satoshi for not, you know, having the server room constantly on fire. Uh, They started, it looks like they started January the 3rd, 2019. By March 14th, 2021, it was only 1 million payments. By November 11th, 2022, okay, so we're just talking about what? Last Thanksgiving, around last Thanksgiving, they hit 5 million payments. Fast forward to today, and they doubled that. Now think about, just think about the acceleration of that curve from adoption of zero people using Wallet of Satoshi and making lightning payments to 10 million payments made. And right now they're averaging right now daily, according to this chart that I'm looking at, which is sponsored by Voltage, 22,222 lightning payments a day flowing through Wallet of Satoshi. So congratulations to all our friends at Waz. Now, BlackRock News, Bitcoin Magazine, BTC Casey, BlackRock CEO, Larry Fink says, Bitcoin is an international asset. Oh, so I guess we're all turning around now, aren't we? BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager with nearly 9 trillion, that's trillion with a T in assets under management, has made significant strides towards embracing Bitcoin, as indicated in its recent filing for a spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund. The company's decision to take steps to offer its clients exposure to the digital asset are likely to bring a surge of institutional adoption to the space. Pausing. Pausing. What what was the first story that I led off with? A massive dip in the Bitcoin price from $31,500 to $30,000 and what? $600, somewhere around there. I think it's right now, it's hovering around $30,500, somewhere around there. So a $1,000 drop in the price of Bitcoin as measured by fiat circus money or whatever. Uh, Instantly, with the release of the ADP report. Do you even know what ADP stands for? Did you know that the report came out? You are not institution. You are retail. Those are my listeners, retail. Nobody, nobody, I'm sorry, but nobody with an appreciable amount of Bitcoin at the retail level is dumping Bitcoin because of a United States government's labor or private labor ADP report comes out. Who does that? Institutions. I'm telling you, the institutions are already here and they just, they're, They're doing the same shit they do to every asset on the face of the planet. They do everything they can to manipulate price through perception, through, you know, selling it all, you know, selling it all at spot when a report hits so they can keep the price down. They do it with gold. They do it with oil. They do it with Bitcoin. They do it with silver. They do it with everything. I don't understand why we still think that institutions aren't here yet. They are. Retail's not dumping their Bitcoin because of a United States ADP report. Only institutions do that. So institutions are here, my friends. I don't know why we keep thinking they're not. The company also recently resubmitted 
their spot ETF Bitcoin filing after the SEC responded that the initial filings required more information in regards to the exchanges involved, subsequently adding Coinbase to the filing as other firms refiling did. And now BlackRock CEO Larry the Fink has made an appearance on Fox Business where he stated that the role of Bitcoin in crypto is, quote, digitizing gold, end quote. Quote, instead of investing in gold as a hedge against inflation or the devaluation of your currency, Bitcoin can represent an asset that people can play as an alternative, Fink stated. The description reinforces the perception of Bitcoin as a store of value akin to the role gold has traditionally played in investment portfolios by likening Bitcoin to gold. Fink acknowledges the international nature of the digital asset, highlighting its potential as a global store of wealth. And indeed, during his news appearance, Fink further emphasized that, quote, Bitcoin is an international asset, end quote. The televised statement underscores the conviction Fink and likely BlackRock have in Bitcoin and its potential role in the future. Fink's recognition of Bitcoin's international appeal further bolsters the case for increased institutional interest in investment, BlackRock's pursuit of a Bitcoin ETF and Fink's endorsement of Bitcoin as digitized gold reflect a notable shift in the attitude of major financial institutions toward Bitcoin. These developments suggest that BlackRock, along with other industry giants, recognizes the potential of Bitcoin to reshape the financial landscape. I'm kind of calling bullshit. Not, you know, not that Fink did not, I'm not saying that he didn't say what what you know what is in quotations that gold is an international asset and that you know gold is or a uh, gold bitcoin is an international asset and that is digitizing gold now he said that but i don't know man i don't trust larry fink do you i certainly i will never trust larry fink i do not trust him to actually like bitcoin i think he just sees some kind of opportunity and I'm not sure if that automatically translates into more purchasing power for those who already hold Bitcoin. Watch, he's a snake, dude. I mean, there's a reason people are named the way that they're named. And I just think it's sort of a the universe playing a joke on the rest of us, right? Like, um, Dewey, Dewey Skinham and Howe, law firm. Yeah, if you don't, if you if you remember Dewey Skinham and Howe law firm, then. You're probably as old as I am, but shit, let's move on because AI's, you know, well, coming to MasterCard. <laughs> yeah, AI. Oh boy. Uh, Savannah Fortis, Cointelegraph, MasterCard, AI-powered tool to help banks fight fraud. And I'm just going to say right now, they don't give a shit about the fraud. I That's not why they're doing this. Just check this shit out. MasterCard has launched a new artificial intelligence-powered tool which is aimed at helping banks fight payment fraud and scams in real time prior to any monetary exploits. According to an announcement from the financial service provider on July the 5th, the Consumer Fraud Risk Solutions AI is trained using years of transaction data received in partnership with banks in the United Kingdom. Yeah, we're all just one big happy fleet, aren't we? Through analyzing the data system, uh, sorry, through analyzing the data, the system is able to predict whether or not a user is attempting to transfer funds to an account previously associated with, quote, authorized push payment scams, end quote. Ajay Bala, the president of cyber and intelligence at MasterCard, said in the announcement that in the past, these types of scams have been incredibly challenging for banks to detect, quote, their customers pass all the required checks and send the money themselves. Criminals haven't needed to break any security measures. He said the goal is to use AI to allow banks to catch such scenarios in real time. According to the official announcement, MasterCard said it has been using AI for, quote, the better part of the last decade and said today that this is a foundational technology. So far, MasterCard reports that nine Nine, count them, nine of the biggest banks in the United Kingdom have signed up with the solution, including Lloyd's, Halifax, Bank of Scotland, NatWest, Monzo, and TSB. Cointelegraph has reached out to MasterCard for further comment uh, on its consumer fraud risk solution and its overall AI usage. 
While the program thus far has been applied with UK-based banks, MasterCard said it is in discussions regarding expansion with various clients around the world, including the United States, India, and, you guessed it, Australia. MasterCard has had a track record of implementing emerging technologies and Web3 tools into its business model. In April, the company announced a Web3 user verification solution with the intent to enhance standards of user verification and reduce the opportunities for bad actors in the digital space. So there you go. Now, let's go back up here to the top. Uh, let's see here. Do, 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 where, what am I looking for? Uh, here we go. Let's read this one. Through analyzing the data, the system is able to predict whether or not a user is attempting to transfer attempting a transfer of funds to an account previously associated with authorized push payment scams. Replace authorized push payment scams with like buying a car because of carbon footprint or going to the store and like, you know, buying meat in real time. AI can say, Oh, this guy's trying to use his credit card to buy meat over at the Safeway. No, no, you've, you've blown through your meat allotment for the month. My friend, this is wholly evil. It is not about fraud. It's not about saving your ass. It's not about saving their own ass. It's not saving the member bank's ass. No, 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 no. This is, this is going to morph into something much more vicious and it's going to do it incredibly fast. Again, this is why we Bitcoin. I'm just saying. Okay. Now, moving over into the world of social media, we have the Zuck. Zuck the man. Meta's Twitter killer threads on boards millions. But, but, but they could lose their Instagram accounts. Oh, joy. It's Sander Lutz. Please tell us more from Decrypt. Meta's would-be Twitter killer Threads is off to the races after a slightly earlier than announced debut early Thursday morning. And already, the app is making both impressive strides and concerning new users with its fine print. Meta founder and CEO Mark the Mark Zuckerberg claimed via Threads earlier today that the app blew past 10 million signups within seven hours of going live. That son of a bitch. If true, that's an accomplishment that dwarfs by orders of magnitude. Recent attempts of numerous other Twitter alternatives to amass meaningful user bases. For context, it took Twitter itself over two years to reach 10 million accounts after debuting in 2006. Yay, it currently has 350 million users. Differentiating threads from other social media platforms, however, is the fact that its launch is being shepherded by a mega corporation that already boasts billions of users across a suite of social media apps. Threads is officially an Instagram app, meaning users can only sign up for the text-based service if they already possess an Instagram account. Conversely, it means it only takes a click of a button for any of Instagram's 2 billion users to create a Threads profile that instantly ports over Instagram followers and other personalized account features. The fluidity, <clears throat> excuse me, the fluidity of the relationship between Instagram and Threads has also sparked some controversy. According to Threads' just debuted privacy policy, users of the app, check this shit out, here's where it gets meaty, once they create a Threads account, will only be able to delete it by also permanently deleting their Instagram account. Did you get it? If you sign up, if you've got an Instagram account and you sign up for threads because to do that, you need Instagram and you decide later on that you don't like threads and you want to delete it tough because if you do, you're going to lose your Instagram account. Is that sunk in yet? Huh? Uh, you want to talk about some seriously walled gardens? These are like walled gardens inside walled gardens, but whatever. That nuance, potentially, an attempt to tie Thread's well-being to that of Instagram, an established behemoth has sparked some frustration and concern among social media users who made accounts before reading the fine print. Yeah, I would imagine so. Decrypt reached out to Meta, but did not immediately receive a response. The Threads ecosystem is already teeming with entertainment and technology brands 
and consumer brands like Ford, Toyota, and Honda, celebrities like Jennifer Lopez, Kim Kardashian, Stephen Curry, and politicians from both major American political parties, including, you guessed it, Nancy Pelosi and AOC, as well as Republican Senator Marco Rubio. Notably, some actors or sectors seem to be avoiding threads entirely, at least for now. Luxury and fashion brands, including LVMH, uh, like Louis Vuitton, Dior, Givenchy, Prada, Gucci, Dulce & Cabana, Burberry, blah, 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 <clears throat> all have refrained from signing up for threads, and it's probably good for them, but they will do it eventually, I guarantee it. Uh, major online gaming platforms, including Roblox, Fortnite, and Minecraft, are similarly absent from the app. One key feature carried over from Instagram to threads is the former app's verified badge system. Yes, they are, they took their badges with them. So that's all we really need to know about this. <clears throat> There's two things here of importance. One is that 10 million users signed up for threads inside of seven hours. Twitter's dying and people are just f- looking for anything to go to, to replace Twitter with because it's just so bad over there at this point. I, it's just not, I hear nothing but bad things from Twitter. I don't know because I'm banned, but be that as it may. The other thing is, is that it's tied directly and inextricably to your Instagram account. At what point do they tie it inextricably to Facebook so that if you delete threads, you delete like their entire suite of products and you can never use it again. These people literally don't care about your ass. And in my estimation, all of social media and anything like this is in what what oncologists, uh, also known as cancer doctors, call end stage. You stage one cancer. Uh, you're probably going to be okay. You got to go to the doctor and do some stuff. You're, you'll be fine, most likely. Stage two starts to get a little bit worrisome. Stage four, probably going to die. End stage, like you're at the end. There's There's no coming back. I'm calling it right now. These guys are in, are are in the end stage of their life cycle on this planet. They are dying. Sure, you can say, but Dave, ten million users inside of seven hours. Yeah, yeah. I, honestly, that just seems like panic. That seems like panic in the user base trying to escape to anything that is easy and has a brand name. Because everybody that is not in Bitcoin is basically still brainwashed to trust people like Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, even trusting Jack Dorsey. As much as I like Jack, and I I do, he's got some issues, but everybody does. As much as I like Jack, I, I, I I don't want to trust him. I don't want to just run to his shit because he's Jack. I've used Blue Sky. It's not all that good. Now, that doesn't mean that it might not get that way. But right now, dude, just I in here. So here's the the spiel. If you're not on Noster, why? Is it that hard? Is it because it's not a brand name? Is it because it doesn't have a multi-billionaire behind it? Does that make it somehow or another less effective, less usable, less fun? Because honestly, that's the only social media app that I actually really use. Yes, I post stuff out to things like Facebook and LinkedIn, but it's only the show. Like when I'm done with this show, it's going to get boiled down into a bullet point list and say, hey, the show is live. And by the way, here's the link. That is the only reason that I use it. And the only reason I do that is so that I can have multiple placements of the exact same text and verbiage. And that seems to help search engine optimization. Don't ask me why. I That's above my pay grade when it gets into SEO stuff like that, when it's that deep. But that's the only reason I use it. I'm, I rarely reply to anybody on Facebook. Even my family is like going, why, why don't you ever reply to us? And I'm like, because I fucking hate Facebook. Why don't you get on? Why don't you get on Noster? And we'll have all manner of discussions and fun, you know, around, you know, frog memes and people saying good morning and coffee chain and pleb chain, you know, where people actually want to be happy. Uh, well, I, I won't get into any more of that. You you know where I'm 
going with that. So, but here, last up before we get into some numbers, Bitcoin Magazine, BTC Casey writing, ZBD and Beamable partner to simplify Bitcoin integration in gaming. Thank God. <clears throat> ZBD, a fintech and payments processor, has partnered with Beamable to simplify the integration of Bitcoin transactions into gaming. This collaboration aims to remove the need for server or systems operations teams, making it easier for developers to add server-side features to games while ensuring superior security. Beamable's platform enables game developers to integrate server-side features without extensive resources or knowledge, effortlessly importing a framework into client-side game code. The partnership offers significant benefits for developers by reducing complexity and overhead, lowering the barrier to entry, and making it more cost-effective to add complex and secure server-side Bitcoin features. The integration of Beamable with ZBD's API adds an additional layer of security by keeping sensitive information separate from the client side of the game. Andre Neves, co-founder and CTO of ZBD, expressed enthusiasm for the collaboration, stating, quote, We're thrilled that developers can now easily implement server-side features without the knowledge of server-side coding, enabling them to effortlessly add Bitcoin transactions to their games. John Radoff, CEO of Beamable, emphasized this excitement, stating, quote, ZBD and Beamable are perfectly aligned in our goals to make the implementation of in-game transactions easier than ever with a particular emphasis on client-side developers, end quote. The partnership not only simplifies the integration of Bitcoin transactions, but also expands the resources available to developers. Beamable will be available in ZBD's marketplace, while ZBD Solutions will be accessible in Beamable's marketplace. The symbiotic relationship allows game developers from both communities to seamlessly incorporate Bitcoin transactions and server-side features into their games, streamlining the game development process. To learn more about ZBD and try the platform, interested individuals can visit ZBD.io. That's Z-E-B-E-E-D-E-E dot I-O. ZBD.io. This collaboration collaboration between ZBD and Beamable represents a significant step forward in simplifying Bitcoin transaction integration in game development, providing developers with enhanced accessibility and security. Thank God. Because what this basically means is that in a what what it seems to me is that in a very modular fashion, somebody with a pre-existing game that says, "Gee, that would be great if I could integrate Bitcoin payments, like maybe on-chain, maybe Lightning payments." Well, now you can, without having to hire a team, without having to ex- obsessively monitor what's going on. It's just client-side code that you pop into your game. And I'm sure it's not just that easy, but I think that what they're trying to do is to make it just that easy, or at least approach making it just that easy. Because the more people that don't have to obsess over the server-side implementation and all that shit that goes along with what many people have so far been doing when it comes to Bitcoin transactions... Now you can just pop in some code and all of a sudden your game is live on the Lightning Network? Fucking A, dude. That's that's what that's where we're going with this. That's why I'm never worried about when people say, oh, but Bitcoin's too hard. It, it gets easier. Oh, well, implementing Bitcoin is really hard. It it's gonna get easier. Lightning, it's a nightmare. I don't want to deal with it. That's okay. You won't have to. It'll get easier. Everything's going to get easier. Everybody calm down and let's run the numbers. Bidenomics. That's right. Bidenomics. That's apparently a word being used in South Carolina right now, or at least according to CNBC Dot com where we have futures and commodities and West Texas Intermediate is down half a point to $71.47. Uh, Brent North Sea likewise down 0.63% to 76.17. Natural gas is up, amazingly enough, 0.8, not just flipped, 0.9%. 
to $2.68 per thousand. And gasoline is also up a half a point by because it's, you know, summer driving season. $2.53 a gallon. Gold taking a dump. Uh, 0.58% of the downside to 1915 and 90 cents. Silver likewise, but down more, 2.1%, 2291. Platinum is down 1.57. Copper is down almost a full point. And palladium is down almost a point and a half. Lumber, however, is up one and a half points today. Wheat, however, is your biggest loser of the day, 2.34% to the downside. The biggest winner of the day is... Corn, 1.98% to the upside. Live cattle, 0.24% to the downside. Lean hogs, up a quarter of a point. Feeder cattle, 1.03 to the downside. If you're wondering why I'm saying feeder cattle the way that I'm saying feeder cattle, we'll get to it when we get to the charts. Dow is down one and a quarter percent. S&P likewise down almost a full point, as is the NASDAQ. S&P mini is down over a point to a point and a half down. Wow, man, boy, everybody just does not like that. They're, everybody's scared of the Federal Reserve. That's what this all boils down to. This entire this entire set of numbers that I just gave you, that's all because of the Fed. All right, so that's that's what's going on there. Now, $30,272 is the price I'm getting on Bitcoin over on bitinfocharts.com. Uh, that's after, let's see, ooh, 349,000 BTC was sent in the last 24 hours. Uh, 0.93 BTC is the average transaction value, and median transaction value is 30 bucks. Jesus. Block times are high, very high. Almost 11 full minutes. I got 0.14 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 19.3 BTC taken overall in fees overall in the last 24 hours. With a 4% dip in hash rate, we're down to 366.83 exahashes per second. And your shitcoin indicator, being Dogecoin, is 6.5 United States pennies. We are chilling with a $588.5 billion market cap. That is 4.63% of gold's entire market cap. And you may now only purchase 16 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,421,374.37 of. And 5,427 on the dot of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $164.4 million being run over 16,333 nodes that we can see and 69,847 payment channels that we know about and 63.5% all that shit's being run over Tor. Now, mempools, what are we looking at? Looking at, about, I don't know, about 115 blocks uh, carrying 157,000 unconfirmed transactions Transaction fees are going uh, high priority, 18 Satoshis per V-byte. Low priority is 16 Satoshis per V-byte. And everything under 1.8 Satoshis per V-byte is being purged from the mempool. Not the mempool. From mempools around the world. Excuse me. And let's see what their mining number is. Their mining number is very much lower. 328.7 328.7 exahashes per second, according to mempool.space. Now, I am back into the top 50, thanks to you guys, but I'm far away from number 10. I think I'm either at number 28 or 38. I can't remember because Fountain has taken off the numbers on their charts. It shows people in order on the charts, but it's not... There's no longer a number one where I, you know, where I can spin it down and just look at where it is that I am on the chart and say, oh, I'm number 28. No, I had to actually count, and now my two remaining brain cells are now dead, so I can't remember where I'm at. But I'm down there. Uh, but I'm in the top 50, so you guys got me out of the doldrums. I appreciate that. I appreciate you, Henry GQJ, with your 20,000 sat boo says, she sells seashells on the seashore the shells she sells are surely seashells so if she sells seashells on the seashore then i'm sure she sells seashore shells welcome back 
Thank you, my brother. Fatoshi with 6102 says, welcome home. Nick underscore dose says, cheers with 3,369 Satoshis. God's death with a row of sticks says, thank you, sir. Welcome back. Monord with a thousand Satoshi says, welcome back, sir. Now let's get you back on the charts. Thank you. I appreciate the sentiment. Bitcon with 500 says, I like it when you say feeder cattle. That's right. That's why I was saying feeder cattle the way that I was saying feeder cattle, because apparently somebody likes it when I say feeder cattle. And I hope that wet your whistle there. Pies with a hundred says, welcome back, sir. Thank you guys for welcoming me back. Means a lot to me. It, it actually means more to me than I think anybody really knows. Sure. We say welcome back every once in a while to, you know, other people, but do we really understand the impact that we're having? And when 10 people do it, yeah, it's it's an it's impactful. So thank you everybody for welcoming me back. Help me get back on into the top ten and the good graces of that, which is the Fountain app, and that's the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Bitcoin Magazine kicks this one off. Leon Wankum, sorry, cool name though. Leon Wankum is writing this one, replacing the world's preferred store of value. Bitcoin will make housing affordable again. Yes, please make housing affordable again. On August the 15th, 1971, President Richard Nixon announced that the United States would end the convertibility of the United States dollar into gold. Since then, central banks around the world have started operating a fiat-based monetary system with floating exchange rates and no currency standards, you know, at all. The money supply has been rising steadily ever since. This forced market participants to look for ways to invest their money, cash, to protect against this inflation, and one of the most popular investment assets has been real estate. In the past, people owned real estate for its utility value, which is characterized by the fact that you can live on it or use it for production. Nowadays, however, it serves the world as the primary assets uh, to store value in. Around 67% of global wealth, or $330 trillion, is stored in real estate. This has pushed up real estate prices enormously with that and the cost of housing and the cost of living as well. The chart below shows the increase in wages in the United States from 1965 to 2021 compared to the increase in housing prices. It shows that real estate prices have risen excessively. Indeed, I got a blue line that shows income change. And it's like, you know, since 1965 or 1964 or whatever. Yeah, it's, you know, well, we're chilling at about 18, 17%. So whatever it was you were making in 1965, and I guess this is inflation adjusted dollars, uh, you're now making a mere 17, 17% more. So take what you would have made in 1965, multiply it by 0.17 and add those two numbers together. And that's what you're making. Not, not a whole lot. Whereas home values have increased 120%. So yeah, we're all getting screwed, guys. We're all getting screwed, me, and, me included. As a result, it's no longer possible for most people to afford their own home. In addition, regulation and inflation have made construction significantly more expensive. For example, due to the increased building requirements because of so-called, quote, ESG guidelines and the increase in raw material prices. Property owners pass this price increase on to tenants in the form of increased rents. Real estate has become a speculative investment object because it is used as a store of value a former function of money that is no longer possible due to decades of monetary inflation that has decimated people's purchasing power. The exorbitant increase in housing cost is one of the largest problems of the fiat-based financial system because it has created a multitude of secondary problems. When the number one store of value in the world, real estate, becomes increasingly expensive and thus inaccessible, people can no longer save and plan for the future. When house prices and rents become increasingly expensive while money loses purchasing power, people can no longer afford adequate housing, leading to a deterioration in living standards. In addition, aside from being used to store value, real estate is the most commonly used 
form of collateral in the traditional banking system, frequently used by a borrower to secure the repayment of a loan to a lender. Banks lend to people and institutions that own real estate. This has created an exclusive financial system as real estate has become unaffordable. In an inflationary environment where money loses value over time, it is a problem if most cannot borrow because saving is not an efficient way to accumulate capital. Debt becomes necessary to be productive. Dude, that one sentence right there should make you shit your britches. Debt becomes necessary to be productive. How screwed up are we? We're we're hosed, guys. We're hosed. These developments which can be observed worldwide, not just in the United States, are among the main drivers of wealth inequality. Real estate should be reduced to its utility value as a dwelling or place of production rather than used as a store of value by proxy if we ever hope to solve the growing uh, gap in wealth inequality. Since Bitcoin is a nearly perfect store of value, it offers a straightforward solution to the housing crisis. The properties associated with Bitcoin make it an ideal store of value. The supply is finite. It's easily portable, divisible, durable, fungible, censorship-resistant, and non-custodial. Real estate cannot compete with Bitcoin as a store of value. Bitcoin is rarer, more liquid, easier to move, harder to confiscate, and cheaper to maintain. You don't have to worry about daily maintenance, rent, or repairs. It's easily accessible and cheap to store. You can buy any amount, large or small. You can self-custody Bitcoin. All you need to store it safely is a basic computer without internet access and a BIP39 key generator or a $50 hardware wallet. People can buy Bitcoin to store value instead of doing so through home or rental properties. As a result, real estate prices will fall and allow people to afford buying a home for its utility value. As explained in a recent episode of The Hard Money Show, real estate has become a store of value in a world where fiat currencies are losing power with many negative implications for society, but Bitcoin presents a solution. As Bitcoin adoption increases, the money that would otherwise be invested in real estate and some that is already invested in real estate will flow into Bitcoin. As pointed out above, this will make housing affordable. Yeah, but when? By functioning as an actual store of value, Bitcoin will absorb the monetary premium that real estate has accumulated over the past decades due to the broken monetary system. Under a Bitcoin standard, housing will eventually collapse to its utility value. Again, when? (laughs) The easy access to Bitcoin will create a financial system that is far more accessible than it is today. Unfortunately, this will not solve the problem of rising rents in the short term. This is a structural problem of the fiat system. Due to the ever-increasing supply of money, it loses purchasing power over time and prices rise. However, As our financial system adjusts to a Bitcoin standard, deflation will cause prices to fall. It should also lead to a more decentralized and less regulatory form of governance as governments increasingly become service providers. So that's kind of what I've been thinking about a lot. Not the direct direct connection to Bitcoin as far as housing is concerned. But housing in general all by itself being this store value. You know what is probably not happening right now anymore? Refinancing. Okay, so you got a half a million dollar house. You want to take a, you've got, uh, let's say that you've got $250,000 that you you actually own of the house. So you're only financing the other $250,000 of it. Okay. Refinancing means that you can do several things, but one of the most popular things on refinancing is you want to go on a massive vacation. What do you do? You look at your house and say, I got 250 grand stored in this son of a bitch. I'll go to the bank. I'll take out $50,000. I'll take my family of five to, I don't know, France to go witness the riots because France is on fire. And 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 that and then I'll uh, basically finance that fifty thousand and turn it. And so now I'm I'm servicing three hundred thousand of debt on on my home, and, and I've got two hundred thousand, and I've taken fifty thousand dollars in cash. Banks aren't making money on that shit anymore. So all these people that have been looking at their house as an easy, you know, 
I, only I have the key to be able to get into this vault that is wealth, that is my that is my house and my domicile. That is that was never the fucking case. It was a false paradigm. It was because of the flow of easy money that banks were like, sure, we'll we'll do that. But now they ain't doing that. So now you got the same guy who's got 250 grand as principal in his house and is financing the other end of two, the $500,000 house with by a $250,000 loan. Can't is they, they don't have access to the $250,000 in principal unless they actually sell the house and extinguish the other $250,000 worth of debt. There's no refinancing. There's a lot of people that can't even get a home loan right now because the banks are like, dude, unless you want to buy a $10 million home, we don't really want to talk to you. Well, most people don't want to buy a $10 million home. They want a four bedroom or a three bedroom or something like that. They don't want a massive thing and they're forced into it. Now this guy comes along, this Leon Wankum and says that the utility, that the, the, the store of value that is in housing will flow to Bitcoin. Okay, but what, and yes, that will depress the housing prices, but what does it do to the people that cannot get out of the housing market in time to convert that over to Bitcoin? They're going to get ripped. I think, now don't, I'm making a prediction here and it's just a prediction. And by the way, it's gut feeling, but it's based on one simple fact. Summer is always the season to sell your house. That's when you you put your shit on the market in May. You fight it out through the summer and hope hopefully sometime by the end of June, end of July, or the start of August at the latest, your house sells. But when it doesn't sell, you got problems. Because nobody wants to look at a house in September, October, November for various reasons. Housing prices are going to fall all by themselves, whether Bitcoin's involved or not, because this shit can't continue. Now, does it happen this year or next year? I think at the end of this summer, you're going to see a bloodbath in the residential housing market. Does that mean you should trust me 100%? Absolutely not. Do your own research. Do not trust me and my gut feeling. All right. Do not go buy a house because I told you to go buy a house in August because that, that's going to be the bottom of the market. Don't do shit like that. You need to look and listen, watch and learn. All of us are going to figure out what happens. I think August is going to be a spectacular month for grabbing housing that is actually within the range that somebody that's just a pleb can actually afford. But I live right now in Eastern Washington where you don't look at a house that's underneath $400,000 that has three or four bedrooms. It's that ridiculous. It's that ridiculous. And I don't live in Spokane. I live in a farming town and it's that fucking bad. Just keep that shit in mind. Now, uh, let's see. Oh yeah, this one's important. Twitter, decrypt. Pedro Salomano, Twitter has been awarded three state money transmitter licenses. Do I need to read that again or do you get it already? You should be getting this already. Elon never wanted Twitter for what Twitter was or what Twitter you know used to be or that he's in love with Twitter. He wants a payments platform. That's what he's doing with Twitter. If you're wondering why he's doing all this crazy shit, it's because he doesn't look at Twitter the way you look at Twitter. That's why you need to get on Noster now rather than wait. Claim your namespace on Noster and anything that's not a walled garden before it's too late, before you get drowned out in all the noise, right? Get over to Noster. Get off of Twitter because they are going to turn into either a bank or payment rails they don't give a shit about your dog meme, okay? So let's find out exactly the details. As Twitter's most formidable competitor comes online, it also received regulatory approval from the United States or from three United States states that serve a much broader vision for the social media company. New Hampshire, Michigan, and Missouri. 
have approved Twitter's application to serve as a money transmitter, laying the groundwork for the social media app to expand into payments and other financial services. Money transmitter licenses are required and the privileges that they grant differ from state to state, but they generally allow a company to send, receive, and transfer funds for and among customers, both nationally and internationally. They also permit currency exchange, swapping foreign currencies for U.S. dollars, for example, and issuing prepaid cards. Ever since Elon Musk bought Twitter in late October last year, he hasn't shied away from extolling his vision for the social media platform. He has said he wants to build a WeChat for the West, a platform that he has said that he wants to copy, forming a digital town within which people can do pretty much everything they want, including making payments. Dubbed X, the everything app, the promised future app, may or may not include cryptocurrency. While Musk has previously teased crypto integrations, plans appear to have changed after he assumed the top role, with a rumored wallet feature put on pause. The money transmitter licenses are well-worn regulatory instruments and don't necessarily mean the cryptocurrency is coming to Twitter. Digital asset advocates could still hold out hope for crypto integration, however. The billionaire mogul is an outspoken backer of popular meme crypto. I'm not even going to talk about it. Blah, blah, blah. Struck with a lawsuit, yada, yada, yada. Newly named Twitter CEO Linda Yaccarino is no stranger to the digital asset space either. She has been described as a Dogecoin supporter. Okay, so they're just going to continue to talk about Dogecoin. So screw it. You you got the gist. That's enough for everybody to understand that that's why he's looks like he's absolutely insane. It's not because Elon is insane that Twitter is a dumpster fire. He's burning it to the ground to collect all the ashes up to mix it with spit and make what the Jewish people used to refer to as a golem, a a creature of unwieldy power that walks around and just basically fucks shit up at the behest of the creator. And it's basically built out of mud or spit and ash and and depending on whatever legacy uh, book you're reading on the topic of golems. But that's the notion of a golem is a soulless critter that you create that goes out and does your bidding. When Elon bought Twitter, Twitter was a a thing that had these certain characteristics. And he's destroying all those characteristics. And you're looking at him like he's crazy, but he's not. He has a very specific end goal in mind, and it has nothing to do with you and Dogecoin or your Doge meme or your frog meme or your Pepe's or whatever. He doesn't care that you're talking to AOC and and basically giving her shit or telling her something else. That is not his plan. His plan is a payment app to go up against Cash App, Apple Pay, Venmo, Zelle. You get it? You get it? Your consistent adherence to remaining on this platform as a social media platform, I'm sorry, but it's laughable because he doesn't care about social media. He wants social payments. That's why he's doing all of the things that he's doing. I hope you understand that because if you don't, you can be even more disappointed tomorrow and the next day than you are today. I guarantee it. Now, <clears throat> Prashant Jha, Cointelegraph, United Arab Emirates emerges as a pro-Bitcoin mining destination in the Middle East. Uh, Cointelegraph, Prashant Jha. The United Arab Emirates is gradually solidifying its status as a go-to Bitcoin mining destination in the Mideast. The country has established itself as a pro, God forbid, Web3 destination for crypto-focused companies with over 30 free trade zones and a growing contribution to the Bitcoin mining hash rate. The UAE's mining journey began with Bitcoin miner Marathon Digital partnering with Zero2, the digital asset arm of Abu Dhabi's Sovereign Wealth Fund, in May. The joint venture established two mining sites with a combined 250 megawatt capacity in Abu Dhabi. Uh, Abu Dhabi has become a hub for all kinds of crypto mining activity in the UAE due to its energy efficiency and status as the center of trade in the country. According to data from Hashrate Index, 
UAE's combined Bitcoin mining capacity is likely around 400 megawatts or 4% of Bitcoin's global hash rate. While the likes of United States, China, Russia, and Kazakhstan are the top four countries with the largest share of Bitcoin's global hash rate, the UAE could gradually climb the ladder due to its available resources. As a global player in the energy market, the UAE has shifted its focus from its oil and gas reserves towards solar and nuclear energy. Historically, the country's electricity was generated by natural gas, but in recent past, shares of nuclear and solar are growing rapidly. UAE's electricity demands fluctuate significantly between the hottest and coldest of months, leading to a heavy loss of generated electricity. For example, in 2021, the UAE's combined power and desalination plants wasted 20 terawatt hours. Read it again. Wasted 20 terawatt hours equal to approximately $600 million. The gap and wastage of electricity could be filled by Bitcoin miners. With Bitcoin mining focused on using clean energy sources, the UAE could see a significant chunk of its energy coming from nuclear and renewable sources in the next decade. Thus, the surplus from these sources could be utilized by miners in the country. Among other advantages for miners is the country's zero-tax policy. This means Bitcoin miners can register in one of the country's 30 free trade zones and avoid corporate tax, value-added tax, as well as import duties, a significant advantage over operating in Western countries. So there you go, UAE on deck for mining. And that's going to do it for the Morning Roundup. All right, joke time. Dad says jokes. Yesterday, I went rock climbing and the guy above me kept farting. It was by far the worst ascent I've ever had to deal with. Ascent. Yep, there you go. Okay, so... Uh, just a few final words about the UAE and their, this energy thing that was, uh, being talked about in the the very last story of the last segment. Um, think of Jevons paradox, which if I think of this correctly, Jevons paradox is such, I got a two lane highway and it gets jam packed with cars because everybody's using it. Everybody loves that highway. So I build four lanes to add another two because that will alleviate, you know, the traffic. No, it just doubles the amount of traffic that's you're able to have on the road, and that's exactly what happens. So you build an eight-lane highway because that surely that's enough capacity. Doesn't matter. Jevons paradox basically states that no matter how much capacity you build out in a utility that's being overused, that it will continue to be overused. Why? Because people like that utility. It's a good utility to have. So when they say that, oh, well, the, you look at the UAE, they're going to solar and nuclear. If you don't think for a second that they won't plug those natural gas wells into Bitcoin mining rigs, you're fooling yourself. Sure, they may not need it for their usage, but it's energy stored in the ground. It's that utility. They, they will use that oil and gas. That's what I'm trying to get at here. All the people saying, we're going to replace all the fossil fuel usage with with wind and solar and hydro and and nuclear. That fossil fuel will still be used alongside all of the other things. Because one thing that I found to be true are things like these Jevons Paradox. There's a reason we have these things. It describes very well and very quickly and very succinctly what you actually see occur in the world. And every time somebody has tried to figure out a way to alleviate traffic in a city by building more lanes, they finally figure out that it doesn't matter. More people just use the damn thing. Anyway, with all that said, please remember to boost and like and give me five-star reviews on Apple uh, Podcast if you can. If you don't have the monetary resources to support the show, if you can do it with your, tre- your other things, your time and your talent instead of your treasure, that is also appreciated. 
And I'm like, every time I go on vacation, because I am not set up to actually do the show while I'm on vacation, I end up losing a whole bunch of listeners. I was, I mean, I, I was only off the air for four days and I, my, I've, I've lost like 70% of my normal traffic when I'm looking at metrics and it's kind of making me sad. So I'm like, damn it, what do I have to do? And the answer apparently is you got to do a show every single day, dude. So I'm going to try to work my ass off for you. If you'll do me a favor, get me on the backside with some Satoshis, do it through Fountain App, but better yet, do it through the Circle P. Today's Circle P vendor, as you know, is Shishi with his badass comfrey roots. Order both the Bocking 14 variety as well as the Bocking 4 variety. Make sure you tell Shishi that Bitcoin and Senshu and Shishi will throw me some Satoshis. Other than that, you guys have a wonderful day, and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.